0: You're listening to Legal Talk Network.
1: Hello, and welcome to another edition of Special Reports on Legal Talk Network. I'm Adriana Linares. I'm going to be one of the hosts for this episode, which is being recorded at the 2016 annual Florida Bar Convention. We're on location in Orlando at the beautiful Hilton Orlando Bonnet Creek. I've got my trusty co-host John Stewart with me. Hey John.
2: Hey, how are you doing?
1: Good. Let our uh, listeners know what you do around here in Florida.
2: Oh, I'm on the Board of Governors for the ninth year. Seems like uh, getting to be too many. And I'm chairing our Board of Governors Technology Committee this year and working through a lot of the issues that we're going to talk to our special guest about.
1: We do have a very special guest with us. It's always such an honor to have you around, Mr. Hubbard. Thank you so much. William Hubbard, are you still immediate past president, or is there an immediate, immediate past president? No, now? I'm still
0: the immediate You're past still- <laughs> president for about another six weeks or so, so.
1: What's the past year been like for you? Uh, have you been able to dive back into the practice of law?
0: Well, I have to some extent, and my partners are grateful for that. But I'm still, you know, still doing a good bit of bar work and speaking and serving on panels. I think some of the issues we talked about last year, the future of legal services, how we can better more effectively and more efficiently deliver legal services to those most in need still resonate uh, with with the public and with lots of Our organizations, they want to continue to talk about it.
1: Well, I just love that they invited you here, the the conference planners and the board of governors, to be the judicial luncheon speaker today. I think it's wonderful to have you. Know, John was was there as well, listening and has some questions. I I know he's eager to ask you about the things you discussed.
2: Yes, well, and thank you for coming. It was a fantastic presentation. One of the uh, issues we've been struggling with, I think, the most in Florida is how to address our regulatory framework in a timely way to deal with the increasing, I think you called them, uh, the online proliferation of these legal service providers, which their time frame is vastly different than the bar's time frame in action. And so, you know, really, we'd love to just hear any thoughts you have or advice you have about how we become a little bit more nimble, maybe, in the process.
0: John, I don't believe that any revisions to a regulatory framework that tends to try to put some parameters around alternative providers or non traditional providers or internet based providers can be too specific because everything's moving so quickly. So I think the right approach ought to be along the lines of what the ABA House of Delegates passed in February a regulatory framework that gives you certain questions and principles to to guide a process of determining whether uh, you should try to regulate these new providers and if so, to what extent. I think we're all seeking a balance. We want to make sure that the public is protected. At the same time, we don't want to stifle innovation. So that's the balance I think we're all looking to try to, to achieve.
1: Delicate balance has to be made.
0: Right. And we've learned in Florida that a
2: lot of the difficulties that we face with our members are probably driven more by fear than by anything else. And we haven't figured out the ideal way to combat that. We do have, before the Florida Supreme Court, a proposal to add three mandatory hours of technology-related CLE, which we expect the Florida Supreme Court to approve soon. But You know, what sort of recommendations would you make to a bar? I know you led the the biggest bar in the the world as to how to educate the members and get them out of that fear mode so they can react.
1: Can I interject and say, I feel like it's fear because of a lack of true, well-rounded knowledge and information about the real issues and the possible real effects. So I think if I could modify the question a little bit for Mr. Hubbard, it's, how do we get all the right information out there to either realize this fear or quelch it?
0: Well, fear, psychologists will tell you mm-hmm. that emotion trumps reason, <laughs> and the most powerful emotion is fear. And you see that, certainly you see that in the political campaigns that we're, we see across our country today. But fear is a, it's a valid emotion. What I fear is that if lawyers don't adapt, don't change, don't embrace technology, I fear that so many lawyers will lose their opportunities to be lawyers, will lose their client relationships if they don't change. And so rather than fear change and try to hold on to the status quo, which I think is a losing proposition, I would hope that, fear of not changing would dominate Mm. and lawyers would seek to change so that they could embrace these new tools. And in fact, I do believe that technology provides the best opportunity, particularly for solos and small firms to compete.
1: I agree. I absolutely agree. And is it a fear of, I think these are two different fears then, right, that we're talking about. The fear that these companies are going to take business away. And then there's just the general fear of being more comfortable with the type of technology that lawyers use in the office. And those are two completely different fears and concerns. Again, back to just having a lack of either knowledge, information, and training. I think that's pretty heavy in the technology side in your office and and generally easy to to learn, I I think.
0: Well, the ABA, I'm grateful to the board of governors of the ABA because they have now authorized or provided funds. It'll be finalized in August, but all indications are the ABA will fund an innovation center and we're very excited because we're going to bring in some fresh thinkers, some, some innovative younger lawyers, and some people from outside the legal sector to th- just spend full time every day, all day long, thinking about new tools, new innovative platforms that can help lawyers do what lawyers do best, which is provide great service to their clients and to the public, and to make sure that justice is, uh, is something that's provided to, not just to some, but to all. Well, do you think, you know, one of the issues we've talked about is uh, that
2: this process is opening up the market, the pie is growing, so there's more to go around, and, do you you know, we try and frame it, and, and I'm curious if you agree, this doesn't have to be competition, that there's a fair amount of collaboration that can occur so long as we protect, as you talked about in your talk today, our traditional core
0: values that make us unique. Well, Many commentators refer to this unmet need as providing a latent market for legal services that we're not reaching, and that if we can get our structures right and our cost models right, then it opens up a whole range of new opportunities for lawyers and those who are able to get their systems and processes more efficient so that they can provide those services in an affordable way. We also really need to look at our Procedural rules, our regulatory framework, and modernize those because so many of our rules and regulations are premised on the idea that there's going to be a lawyer for every client. And so the rules are directed to the lawyers. It just simply doesn't work. It's a, there's a structural problem, and it doesn't work when you have 80% of the poor without lawyers in court and you have 50% of those of moderate means who don't have lawyers, and they're trying to go it alone. So the rules are directed to lawyers, but the reality is more often than not, they're not lawyers involved in the cases. Well, you know, we talked a little bit with uh, John Suh, the
2: CEO of LegalZoom yesterday, and, you know, he raises some really interesting points driven by data. He's a very strong data analytics person, and uh, he he made a really a interesting point that stuck with me yesterday, and that was that capital and the lack of cross-pollinization amongst professions within firms are, are probably the two killers for firms innovation right now. And uh, you know, it's taken me a while to think about that, but it's a really interesting concept. And I don't know if you have any thoughts about uh, either one of those, whether capitalization of firms is helpful, good idea, bad idea, or bringing more of other professions into the firm conversation, the law firm structure, so that you can have a little bit more diversity?
0: Well, implicit in, at least to some extent, in the capitalization issue is whether or not we're going to allow alternative business structures. And the American Bar Association House of Delegates has spoken clearly and strongly that that's not a good idea, and I don't see any appetite to see that changed. So perhaps the more productive approach would be to see how we can develop more efficient processes uh, so that there 's not such a need for an infusion of huge chunks of capital, but those one thousand technology companies that are out there delivering legal services now there are no restrictions on their ability to raise capital and I think the most recent information i 've seen is that forty of these technology companies have a capitalization of over five million dollars and i 've heard John speak i didn 't see him yesterday, but I know he believes that those with capital will be those who prevail and who remain in the market. I do think that lawyers generally are at a competitive disadvantage, not the AMLaw 100, but the Solos and many of the small firm lawyers. Again, that's where technology can come in and be an asset and a competitive leveler.
1: It's true. These services are affordable and they're powerful and Solos can completely harness and take advantage of this information and these tools and these services that we did not have 10 years ago. It's true, it does level the playing field, but I think the key word here, and this is sometimes what what is hard for lawyers to understand, is they're affordable. We're not asking Solos and small firms to put out tens of thousands of dollars a month or that much capital all at once, it can be done in a very affordable way and given them the same types of tools that, that big firms have. I mean, it's amazing. These technology companies have really made a difference. When you
0: go to the ABA Tech Show and you see the tools that are yeah. on display there, and they're, many of them are not that expensive, but they are game changers.
1: They truly are.
0: They are, and, and leveling the playing field, I think
2: you know some of the concepts that happen, I, I know Canada does it, we haven't really done it in the US, but. You know, the thought of entity regulation versus just lawyer regulation is, a, you know, something that probably needs more study, but it's a really interesting concept because then, talk about leveling the playing field in a different way, you make sure that the entities that are going to provide those services have some of the same obligations that the lawyers do, which protect the consumer and the client.
0: And I've heard a number of sort of the top-tier technology company executives indicate to me that they welcome some kind of regulation They'd like to know what the rules are, and they'll adapt to the rules as long as they're fair and and don't stifle innovation.
1: And that's the interesting thing about the two sides of the coin, right? They will adapt. Just tell us. We want in. We want to be a part of this community. Make it easy for us. I don't know.
0: Seems to have been pretty easy so far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you're right, you're right. Well, you see an evolution already. You know, when LegalZoom started, it was just to use them as a way of example. We're talking about John Suh. Um, first of all, it was just provision of, of forms and model wills and articles of incorporation. But I was listening to the Dan Patrick show on the radio, I think, Tuesday of this week, and there was a LegalZoom advertisement about... You know, come to us if you have issues in, involving labor and employment or supply chain issues because we now have a network of licensed attorneys in 48 states. So you see the evolution of synthesizing of the technology with lawyer networks. Yeah. And I think that's the way of the future. I think you'll see more and more of that. Um, I've often been intrigued by the progress of an entity called Upright Law in Chicago, which does consumer bankruptcy work and their motto is bringing law to the living room and they do the initial client interviews through Skype and FaceTime and and they have intake persons who are not lawyers but they're good at gathering the correct information and interestingly They contend that you get more information when people are in their living rooms because they're not as intimidated by coming to a law office. And then they they have programs, software programs, that allow them to package it all, and then they send it to a lawyer wherever the court is, and that lawyer is able to charge a respectable rate to go in and conclude the process. But it lowers the overall cost of a consumer getting bankruptcy protection. That's
2: amazing. Well, the refreshing part of the conversations that we've had, you know, for a while now, and we were reminded of yesterday, was uh, that technology plus a human is better than technology or a human. And, you know, that's really, you know, hopefully where we have to get to is the collaboration piece and finding the right balance. And that's where the struggle is, at least in Florida right now, is how do we make that balance and make that work?
0: I think you said it very
2: well.
1: Well... With that, I think we'll end. Looks like we've reached the end of our program, and I really want to thank both of you. Of course, Mr. Hubbard, it really is always just such a pleasure to see you and hear you. You make you make things sound so easy, and it makes so much sense when you say it. And, and thank you very much. As the immediate past president of the ABA, it's really an honor to have you here. And, John, thank you for your time, as always. It's great to have you yep, as a co-host. Thank you. This has been another edition of Special Reports. I'm Adriana Linares, signing off from Orlando. Until next time, thank you for listening.